I'm Gloria Panzera, and you're listening to This Novel is Happening, a podcast chronicling the journey of my writing, procrastinating, submitting, getting an acceptance for my novel, and whatever happens next. Hi, here we are, episode three. Um, If you have no idea who I am, check out episode and then two, then tell your friends, leave a review, and then dig into this episode. Okay, so um, the big questions, I have more questions this week, that I want to answer are why sit on a manuscript for nearly a decade? What happens when you sit on a manuscript for a decade? And like, what's the point of doing that? Uh, Like, what purpose does that serve? Uh, And then what made me finally send out this manuscript that is being published in September? So... I will start by telling you kind of how I wrote. So we, last week we talked about like the research process and the um, the writing and the that kind of stuff. And so most of the book that I, most of the, the manuscript itself that was eventually sent out was written while I was substitute teaching during my thesis hours, which I had done away. So thesis hours, for those of you who don't know it, are when... You basically sign up for like a class at the end of your, you know, your graduate degree. And that's like the time set aside to work with your thesis chair to write your manuscript. So um, I moved to Charlotte when I finished all my coursework. So I didn't have to be a long distance girlfriend anymore. And so I moved to Charlotte and then um, I was substituted so that I could survive <laughs> um, on some kind of funds. And then... Um, I was living in a new city and I was writing this book, you know, subbing, learning how to live in Charlotte and not be a long distance girlfriend anymore. And then um, being on the academic job market. But I was limited with the jobs that I was looking for because they were, you know, I had to look within a certain driving range because I was committed to staying in in this Charlotte area. So I wrote my thesis, you know, in between all of that business. And so when the time came to do the defense, I was really over the whole project. I was just, you know, tired of being with those characters, being in that universe. And I did my defense and I think my defense went okay. Um, I don't know what we know about thesis defense, the whole process, but basically you submit your manuscript to your, your committee and then they read it, they give you some feedback and then you have a meeting. And during that meeting, they, um, you know, they ask you questions and they basically are trying to figure out, like, have you earned the um, credentials to be a master's candidate? So I did that. And like, I think my feedback for the most part was positive, but I did have some, you know, obviously there's going to be things that need to be improved um, in the draft. And one of the things that happened that was kind of traumatizing was um, I'm not a great grammarian. I've never been really good at grammar. The only reason why I am any good at grammar is because I have had to like interrogate every um, punctuation mark that I use. And my one of the people on my committee who really, in a lot of ways, he gave me some incredible feedback, but he also sort of broke my heart <laughs> was when he told me that I needed to never use a semicolon ever again. And he said... Um, He's like, look, this book is good. It's, you know, he gave me, you know, told, told me some things that he wanted to see happen. And then he tells me never to use a semicolon ever again. And it was like, it made me question a lot of other things that were happening. 
draft and in the manuscript and just, you know, the thesis defense is kind of traumatic and exciting at the same time. So anyway, that's my, my semicolon story that I always think about. I always tell that to my students too when they're asking me about grammar and I'm like, listen, y'all, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not good at grammar and I need to look stuff up. And it got to the point where it was even, I mean, it all the way to, ma all the way to a master's degree and I still struggled with, with punctuation and that one was a tough one. Anyway, so once the once the defense was done, like I had a master's degree and now I'm looking for full time work and, you know, that's how it ended up in binders, I think, is there was just a lot of other shit basically in life that was happening. You know, you finish your master's degree and now you're like, OK, well, now I need to find a job. And um, I wasn't, I had taught high school before I got my master's degree. And so after I, I kind of wanted, I had taught college and I thought, you know, I really enjoy teaching college students um, more than I do high school students. So I think I'm going to try to pursue, pursue becoming a professor. Um, and in doing that, I adjuncted for a year and adjuncting, I mean, it's nice for the hours because, you know, you're not. You're teaching, you know, I was teaching a lot of sections just so that I could pay rent and stuff like that. But, um, I, you know, adjuncting is the, like on the hierarchy in academia, that's like the end, the bottom, you know, of the, the, the pyramid. And, um, it's hard. It's, it's, you know, it's, you, you don't get any benefits. Um, I mean, I could probably talk for days about the adjunct crisis that's happening in this country. <laughs> uh, but, um, you know, that I was doing that and looking for a job and then Justin decided he wanted to spend eternity with me. So that happened. I'm still regretting that decision. <laughs> hey, you asked me, so. What, what, like, I feel like you do this a lot where you say like, okay, you know, if we had long more time, I could say why, I, you know, I think this way. But like, since we have the show, why, why don't you like adjuncting? What is the issue right now with adjuncting? Actually, let's, 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 let's expand on that. I think the issue with adjuncting is that you're teaching the same amount of hours as a, you know, a professor is, but there's no expectation for research. So, you know, your whole purpose is, you know, to teach a class like composition, you know, those entry level college classes. And you're making, if you teach, let's say you teach four sections a year or four sections a semester, which is what a full-time instructor is making that's not, uh, is teaching that, you know, that's maybe their focus is not research and publishing, but their focus is, um, teaching there, you know, as an adjunct, you're going to make $10,000 a year doing that. Uh, which, you know, I don't know very many people that can survive 2018 on $10,000 a year, unless they're married to somebody really wealthy. <laughs> um, or they, you know, they don't need the money, which is good for them. Um, but I mean, and I think too, like when you adjunct, you're not, you're not build, chances are you're not built. Some schools maybe you are, but chances are you're not building classes that are centered around your expertise. So you're, and you're probably not teaching all those sections like in a, in one place. Like when I was adjuncting, I was teaching at, I was teaching at a college, one, I was teaching at two different colleges and they were about an hour apart. And there were days where I would, you know, I'd leave the house at like seven and I wouldn't come back until eight because I was teaching at one school and then I'd have to haul ass to the next one, you know, all the way across town 
to teach my next section. And, you know, you're not, you know, you're not, I, I felt like I spent a lot of time grading and, um, teaching and building these lessons. And it was like, I wasn't getting compensated for my, I wasn't being compensated what I was worth. And I think that's the, one of the biggest issues with adjuncts. And I don't know how many of people, how many people listening to this are college students or, um, people, kids going into college, but please look and see, like, is your university, are you paying tuition for, you know, your courses to be taught by adjuncts? Cause chances are you're, you're, you are. Um, so I always, I mean, that's just, a, I think a huge, just a huge issue that, that, you know, is a crisis and you know it all has come it all comes down to money and funding and all that stuff and it's um it's frustrating to have you know you're fresh out of grad school you're super pumped that you have this degree and then you're getting paid you know a thousand dollars a section (laughs) for your expertise which is not an improvement from being a graduate teaching assistant but at least when you were a, a ta you were a you know taking classes. So that, I mean, I think that that's a time suck. And then, you know, have, and then eventually I decided to go back to teaching high school cause I needed, I just felt like I needed a full-time job. I just couldn't sustain that adjuncting life. And it's not like adjuncting gets you a full-time, it's not like you get your foot in the door and then you're, you're going to get that professor gig. That is, I think, um, a myth of the, those who are maybe a little too hopeful. So I gave up adjuncting, um, to, to take on, oh, I didn't even give it up really. I was at one, at my, the start of my teaching at independence, I was doing, I was teaching classes on I was teaching face to face classes, um, at one of the community colleges and then also teaching full time. Cause I just did not want to let go of teaching college students. And then I just couldn't sustain it. It just felt like once, you know, it was really hard for me to give what, to give what, to give my students what they needed at the high school when I was also traveling to teach night classes. And I knew that once we started a family that that was not tenable. And my mom was sick and I was trying to go back and visit her. And so it was, it was just, it felt like a lot to be doing the adjuncting, teaching high schools. Teaching high school is like quite the commitment if you're going to be it, I think, a teacher that is able to build a rapport. Uh, you need to be, you need to go to football games. And, you know, I was helping out with the marching band because I love marching band. And it was just a lot to do, you know, teaching adjuncting. And then like, not to mention, like, let's not forget that all that, during all those things you know, writing has to happen. So I just felt like I was fitting a lot of shit into a very small period of time. And I was still writing. It's not like I wasn't writing, but I definitely was not focused on the novel. It was like I had it done and I was like, I'm just going to worry about some other stuff, which the stuff that I was working on was, you know, my, my nonfiction, like my food writing stuff which is kind of what had started the novel. Like when, when I was in grad school, I had done like a reading where I'd written a personal essay about, about food. And, um, it just sort of became like my thing. Like I had written this, I read it. And then 
I started writing more pieces like that. And that just kind of helped create that food foundation for the novel. And um, so that's kind of what I focused on when I finished grad school was, uh, you know, I finished grad school. I put the, you know, I put the manuscript in a binder and then that was it. I just left it in the binder. I was like, you know, what? I'll deal with this later. I'll deal with it over the summer when I'm not so busy. And then, you know, then we got married. Then my mom passed away. And then August came. <laughs> so it just felt like a lot to go. And then every summer I would pick it up and I would I would look at it. I'd read through it. Okay, this isn't as terrible as I remember it being. Let me work on it. And I would. I'd make some changes. I'd add some pages. And then I left it in the binder. Like, it just never felt ready to go out. So, let me jump in here. So, like, the you you get your master's degree, and then all of these things happen that you've been talking about. At mm-hmm. what points did you actually go back and look at it? And how much, like, revision did you actually end up doing over those periods? Um... Like how long, first of all, how long did it sit before you actually even looked at it again for the first time? I would say it sat for like three years. Like I would say. Did you even think about it? I was, it's always been like, cause we, I, we've, I mean, it's only recently I feel like that we've lived in one place for a while. Like when I moved, first moved to Charlotte, I, you know, I lived in a different apartment every year. Um, and every year, you know, you move your crap and you're like, oh yeah, this thing is sitting in a binder. There it is. And like, so I would look at it and I would never like when we, when I was there ever actually like legitimate thought that you were going to do anything with it. Every summer it was like, that was my ambition was like, I'm going to do, this is the summer that I'm going to finish it. And this is the summer that I'm going to fix it. And I would like, I there at one point, I, I mean, I added like probably the equivalent of like a chapter to it. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, you know, I definitely added to it and I made some changes and I tightened up some pros and all that stuff. Um, but I, I don't think I was really ever ready to do it until the year, the year that I took off. That was the year that I felt like, and like every time I would go into it, like the book's about like being a mother and, you know, um, I, ha- when I wrote it, I wasn't a mom. And then I felt, I really felt like the, the year that I, that I dug in that, you know, when I took that year off from work, I had been a mom for like three years and I felt like it was like the universe was like, now's the time to like, cause now you have the insight that maybe you didn't have before. Cause you can ask, you know, women that, you know, like I would ask my Zilucia or I'd ask my mom, about like what's it like to be pregnant and like you can read all kinds of stuff about it but every woman's experience is going to be different and it's hard to write about that that like bond and you know that that element when you haven't really experienced it and I felt like now that I have experienced it the revision is a lot more um I don't want to say profound because that sounds really snobby but I just think it's it's stronger because I have insight into the, you know, what happens in each trimester, or at least I can insert my own experience into the drafts as I'm doing it. But yeah, I think the year of that year off really was the first time that I like had sat down and read it from page one to the end and was like, okay, 
I know what to do. Like, I know what I need to do to make this better. And then how much work did you do on it? Uh, I've been, I mean, I, I did a, quite a bit of work. Like, I was, not now. Right. Like, not what you're doing now, but, like, what no. you had done before leading up to sending it out. I mean, I did some. I don't think I made, like, that much, that much... I didn't make that many changes to it because I, as I was reading it, I thought, you know, I'm going to go dig and rewrite this whole thing. And like, is that, is that a good use of time? Because I remember that summer I started writing the, mem- uh, uh, I started writing a memoir. So, cause that's where I had spent so much of my energy. Like after grad school, I wasn't really writing fiction. I was writing nonfiction. And so I was like, I, I, I like, I didn't, I felt like, is this the best use of my time? Is revising this manuscript the best use of my time? Why not just tighten up as much prose as you can? Let's not worry so much about the characters and the plot and all that stuff. Because it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't, it wasn't where I wanted it to be. But I also didn't want to invest so much of my time when I wanted, when I was working on a memoir and I was trying to get some short stories going. So, I don't know. I just, I didn't, I don't think I spent that. I mean, I didn't spend enough. I've probably not enough time, but have, do you, can you ever really spend enough time on it? So, I don't know. I feel like too, you know, you dig into it and you, like, I'm a different person now than I was when I wrote it. And now it's like, I feel like I've learned so much about writing and like my own style and like that was that's been one of the now as I'm digging into revision like realizing wow you write so differently now than that you did I don't know yeah do you you think looking back now do you think the distance is going to make it a better book yeah I do because I have more I I like I, I think it kind of provides like this objectivity that I didn't have when I was really close, you know, right after I graduated, I'd spent two years on it. And now I had, now I have this like almost 10 year space from it. Even though I've been, you know, I've looked at it and gone back. Like, I think it now I have like a little bit, cause it's like, I don't remember writing this chapter. Right. And so like, I can go in and read it like I would a student's piece because I've, like I've seen it before, but I can give you some feedback on it that, um, somebody like I don't. It's got there. I think the best word is just like objectivity because it's I I don't feel so. There's first of all, there's not as much at stake. Like before, when I was working on it in grad school, like my graduation was at stake, but now it's just like now it's just making it better for the sake of making it better, and like. You know, when you send it out, you hope it's going to get accepted, but you don't, you know, it's like if it gets accepted, great, fantastic. If it doesn't get accepted, it's like, okay, well, maybe this is just not meant to be seen by people in the universe. But the things that you, you know, have revised here lately were those like the the changes that you want to make. Are they the same changes that you thought about before? Like, even after, you know, you graduate, then you let it sit for a while and you come back to it and you reread it and you're like, okay, I'm going to get to this, whatever, sometime during the summer. Mm-hmm. Were those things that you wanted to change then the same things that you're changing now? Yeah. Or did those things evolve, like, after you went back and said, okay, now that I've kind of got some distance from this and I'm reading it, like, 
these are the things that I actually need to change about it, or are they the same? I think it's a bit of both. More it's stuff like I've always wanted to add like a certain character, and I've been wanting to add more of uh, one element into the into the novel. Like there's, I love epistolary novels. All of my favorite books are letters, like have letters in them, diary entries, something like that. Um, and I always wanted it to have, it has some, but it didn't, it, it initially started out, like when I, the first draft of it was a lot of letter writing. And then I just, I felt like I couldn't get the voice right. And I read like tons of love letters of like famous people. And I'm, you know, like, um, my favorite set of love letters that I've, that I read was between, um, F. Scott Fitzgerald and his wife, Zelda. And she was like, at some point, like, um, she was in one of those, like, you know, when women would get hysterical, they would send them away. And at one point they were like exchanging letters while she was away. And like the, the passion that they had for each other. And I was like, I don't know how to, I, I couldn't quite get the voice right. So I sort of abandoned the letter writing element. Like there's some, but there's not as much as I wanted. And that's been the focus of one of the things that I'm digging into with the revision is adding, is adding more letters from characters to each other because the book's in the third person. So then it lets me play in the first person and then still have that omniscient narrator throughout, which was something that I was when I wrote it in the third person, I, I was all, when it came out and it was done in the third person, I was like, I can't believe I just wrote an entire novel in third person because I, at the time, I wasn't writing in third person. Now I write fiction in third person. Inst- it's like the first narrative choice that I go to. So it's just like, it's so weird how like the more you write, you, you just sort of change. You be, you know, you're like, oh, I'm going to. I, I'm comfortable in first person, so I'm just going to stick with that. And I and I, I think I became better at writing in the third person because I wrote the novel. And then after I wrote it, it's like I had learned how to do it better. And now, now that I have done it more often with other pieces, I can go in and revise the novel and feel better about it. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think I, I don't know if I answered your question, but yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, what's Specifically, what's different now from from then? Where where are you as a writer now, in terms of skill and you know the you know direction of the story and all these types of things now versus you know back then when you when you wrote it or maybe shortly after? I think now I know how to to bang out pages when life is ha- happening. I think. When you're in in an MFA program, the beauty of an MFA program is it's teaching you how to be a writer. You are learning how to juggle courses and teaching and and producing work and learning like how to research journals and you're learning how to do that. Um, and I think when you're a student, you only have to focus on the student stuff. Like, I mean, I hope if you're a student that you're, you, you have, you are privileged enough to be able to do that. I know that not every student has that, has that kind of privilege. Um, so I think now I can, I can deal with, you know, my appendix rupturing, (laughs) um, and still being able to like recover from that and go back and, and in, into a writing routine. I think the MFA kind of teaches you the writing routine that you need to be in. And then, you know, 
in terms of, at least I think for like life skill, that's one of the things that I'm stronger at now is like, I can take a project and start something and I can walk away from it for like a little bit of time and not, not too much time because then it gets chunky and awkward, but you know, um, I can walk away and like life can happen and then I, I can get back into it. Um, I wasn't able to do that when I started the novel, which is why I had to like really be rigid about like, I'm going to write from this time to this time or it's not going to get done. Um, and then I also think in terms of skill, I mean, I'm, I've read more, I've read more of, you know, both student work and like book books, like, you know, literary, literary pieces and novels. And I think, and I've taught, taught how to taught amateurs, you know, I've taught my students how to do it. So I know what I'm, what to look for when I'm going into my own work, what needs to change? Why does it need to change? Like when I look and I make notes on what, when I'm revising now, I'm like, this is something I would tell my student. Like, why are you telling this uh, description? Why don't you show it and flesh it out? And I think when I was writing the thesis, it felt like I just really wanted to be done with it. And so now I get, I feel like lucky that I get to go in and flesh out those scenes that I sort of rushed through. And that, I don't think I had the skill then either to, um... To know, like, ah, this is too much telling, not enough showing, or this scene, the dialogue is is awkward. I don't think I had the skill then to notice it on my own. Like, I I could receive the feedback on it and make the changes, but I think now I'm able to catch it myself without having to go outward for feedback, if that makes any kind of sense. How do you feel about the book now versus then? I know it's always been like this. My point has always been it was good enough to get you your master's degree, so why wouldn't it be good enough for other things? And I feel like you haven't necessarily viewed it that way. So now that, obviously, you wrote it, it gets you your master's degree, now you come back around, now it's actually getting published. Is your view of the book different? That's such a good question. I don't think it is. I still feel like... I mean, I think it's better because I've had time to go in and, and get into it and like flesh out the stuff that I've, I always thought when I have time, I'm going to do this. Well, now I, I don't have a choice, right? It needs to be the best version of it that it can possibly be come January 1st when it's due for the, to the editors. So, um, I, and I, and I think I always, I always felt when, like when I started writing it and when I finished it, I always felt like. This is a good story. Like, this is a story that, like, I would want to read. I would, I, like, if you're telling it to me, you know, this is really interesting. Um, I love, I love the, you know, I, I love the, the time period. I love the struggle, the conflict, you know, the, the themes. Like, it's something that I would want to read. Um, I always felt like, I always felt rushed with the first, that first draft. And so... Now I feel better about the fact that I've been able to like spend some more time, um, talking, you know, to be, spend some more time with those characters, you know, like get back into that universe and, um, explore and see like maybe I need to bring in another character or something like that. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, and I think... 
in that way, I feel better about it. I'm still nervous, like, about sending it. And I sometimes, like, lately, because we're, what, December? Today's the 9th. It's due in 21 days or whatever, 22 days. I'm starting to get, like, anxious about it. And I'm worried that I'm not going to get to all of it. And I know that I'll have time with edits to, like, work on it. But I don't know what the editing, what the editing part looks like. So I'm, like... It's definitely giving me anxiety, like in terms of like, am I going to get to it all? Is is it going to be good enough? Um, am I going to be satisfied with it when it's, when I finish this round of revision? Um, I like, I find myself like, like this morning I woke up at four <laughs> and it's, well, today's Sunday, so I could have easily slept in and like, I could have gone into the office at four and like worked on it, but I, I did the typical Gloria move where I'm stressed about something, so I shut down. And I just, I'm uh, I'm starting to get nervous. Like, it's starting <laughs> to wear on me, the, the nervousness. But this is the point where you need to, like, really battle and dig deep. And, like, you have to just push yourself into, okay, now it's time to work on this. And I just, like, you just need to sit down and do it. And, like, even if it's a... You know a day where you don't want to do it or you can't seem to get motivated or you're like you come in here and you sit down and then you're like doing other things like at some point you just have to lock down and be like no matter what happens over the next x amount of time whether it's a good work or bad work or anything like it just has to start happening right and like i have that same thing with some of the work i do and i've i've had that feeling a lot lately where it's like you have to do something creative mm. And I literally find every excuse to not do it. And it's like the times that I become most productive are when I'm procrastinating, oh, right? Yeah. Because you were like, oh, like, I'm not going to do this right now, but I'm going to go do all those other things. And it's like you get a ton of other stuff done yeah, well, except the thing that you sit down to do. Productive procrastination. Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, but at some point you just have to start. Yeah. And like as soon as you do, like it might take you you know some time and you might kind of have to battle for a little bit and you might just sit and stare at the screen and like but just start doing right i mean then for the most part i feel like i like when i'm neck deep in a project i do feel like i am able to 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 do that but yeah i mean and it's this is a tough time of year to have a deadline it's the holidays you know i just i you know like it's a lot it's very easy to find a like well, you know, got to wrap the presents or got to get the shopping done. But with or... you, that's true of the whole year. The whole year. You can always yeah. find an excuse I am for a... why you shouldn't. Yeah, I'm definitely the queen of excuses, no no doubt. Yeah, I th and I mean, I think when it comes to like this, this novel, I feel like that's been the relationship that I've had with this manuscript. It's like, I'll, it's, it's, yeah, I know I have to do it. I'll get to it. And I just, I feel like I've always had that kind of, it's like taking on this like personality of like, I know I need to add some some scenes between these two characters. I'll I'll do it eventually <laughs> after I reorganize my desk or whatever. So yeah, that's but, but now eventually is twenty something days away. Yeah, and I was gonna say like now that like bullshit game of I'll get to it. It's like well it's here. There's no there's no like the procrastinating can't happen anymore and I have to just get over the anxiety of it because 
anxiety is not the it's not productive and like when I go to do revision it doesn't help revise it's like you're not better at revising because you're freaking out you know it's impossible to be objective and um productive really if you're like and worrying about is the editor gonna like it or if the is the publisher gonna be cool with these changes or um you know, is it going to get good reviews or whatever? Like, none of that fucking matters if you don't get it done. Yeah, but th- those are concerns that I think will happen later. Yeah. Right? And, like, you don't know... You don't know what they're looking for. You don't know what they're going to want to change. Like, at this point, like, the anxiety over what you're going to hear from them mm-hmm. is, like, kind of meaningless, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, all you need to worry about right now is, like, trying to make it as good as possible from, you know from what it is and and what you would like it to be yeah and then like those other problems you know what the editing looks like what their opinion of it is what you know when it finally gets published the reviews all of those things it's like we'll cross those bridges when we get there right But like right now like worrying about those things is pointless yeah and i think part of it is like when i wrote it so long ago that some of the things that like like the food writing of it the um the themes it's like when you're writing about women in 2008 and then 10 years passes like progress happens and like that's one of the 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 themes in the novel is you know one of the things that I wanted to explore and and this is because of my immigrant experience something that happens when people move from one country to another is there's this like this attempt to hold on to culture um so, like it's like oh we can't let go of our 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 culture right we don't want to lose the and obviously the first thing that's gonna go is is the language and like the the last thing to go is the food and so I'm I was really interested in kind of seeing like how the difference between like my experience as a you know like like the generation of you know the for all intents and purposes the fe- the youngest female character is about well, she's not my age anymore, but she was like 26 in the book. So like, and I was about that age when I was writing it. So she, you know, the things that she's experiencing in terms of like, you know, sexuality and like being in a relationship, like it's different than what I experienced because I'm an immigrant twice over. Right. Like my, you know, I'm my my I'm the first generation Canadian and then I'm first generation, I'm, I'm not, not even first generation American. Really, our son is. Um, and so like the attempts that my my parents, especially my father, made at holding on to these like traditions and, you know, um, gender roles and all that jazz. I, I was really interested in, in learning how not like that it is in in Italy and it's changed even more so now and so I wonder you know as I revise I'm like do I just leave it like it's 2008 or do I like modernize it now that's like one of the kind of big questions that I'm kind of grappling with as I get to that last section of the novel is because like the the historical part that doesn't need to i don't need to touch that yeah but short of shifting the window of like when the novel happens like don't you have to end it at the same point yeah 
Because I guess. if you make her 26 now, that changes, like, everything, Yeah, because right? there's, now there's technology and social media. And yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that would be a problem. I just think, I just think about, like, thematically, am I going to lose something? Am I missing out on some commentary? And, like, I know I've talked to you about this before, uh, about, like, how, how um, social issues play such a huge role in in fiction and how it's almost like in my in my opinion sometimes it's maybe a little it's a little too much and i worry that like is there not enough like am i missing some important i don't know am i should i be doing more of that it's like it's like but then am i losing like who i am and it's like it's not that i'm not interested in those issues but it's like is this the place for it? I don't know. Like, like I just, I have all these questions when I sit down to work and I need to just like battle through and not stress about all these other external things and just hunker down and, and no, I, I wouldn't write. get just dis- like allow yourself to get distracted by some of that stuff. I think those are the types of things that you can get into that will kind of push you off of the path of, of making it, you know, a good story, a good book, all those types of things. I think those are, I mean, not, not that you shouldn't tackle those problems eventually, maybe, mm-hmm. but, like, I don't know that those are the things you need to be focusing on to, like, really make progress to get this thing ready to send it in. Yeah, I also think, too, like, it's is that is that this project, right? Like, not every project is going to be a commentary on, you know, uh, women's rights. And, and, I mean, not to say that it doesn't address, like, gender, because it does, um, especially, like, progress that women have experienced, Um, but I didn't, I don't want this book to be like a feminist manifesto because it's not. And I hope that doesn't disappoint anybody, but that's not what this book is. And like, I don't know. I I think about these things as I'm revising and I'm like, should this even be a thought in my head? And it's like, when I was, when I was writing it 10 years ago, like it wasn't a thought in my head. And now definitely when I'm writing something, I am thinking about that. And I don't know if that's just because I'm more tuned in or because I'm changing as a writer, a combination of the two, like all of these like things are kind of, um, I think, I mean, you obviously you're going to change as you grow and the more you read and all that stuff. And so like, that's going to change. Like, it's like, I have, it's like I have a different set of eyes when I'm revising um, so I, I don't, I don't really know where I was going with that thought, but just, do you think that when you look at the themes now, you know, that you included in the book, you know, the, the, the you know, the women's issues and the, mm. the food and some of these things, do you think now that those things are more relevant, like in, in 2018 mm-hmm. than they were in 2008? Mm-hmm. Like as you, as you're going back through this to you, like. Do you think that book, does it resonate now more? Does it resonate less? Do you, I mean, obviously, like, you know, it, it would seem to me like maybe they it would resonate more, obviously, in the current climate we're in. Yeah, I mean, but, I... like, what do you think? I mean, I guess, like, when I wrote it, like, the focus wasn't like, let me, let me tackle, you know, gender. My, I was more concerned, really, about, like, the relationships that women have with each other and how important they are and why women need to support each other. And 
that's not to say that that's not relevant today. But I think when we look at like the things that women are dealing with in 2018, it's more about their relationships with men and how the, um, I mean, like, I, I don't even want to say like me too, but like, I think the me too movement is like such a huge part of, and like the time's up movement, like those two things in combination with each other are, are part of when we think about like women's issues in 2018. And I feel like the themes in my book are more universal. They're not so focused on, I mean, they're not focused at all about like sexual harassment and that's not, it's not, it's not in there. It's more like, you know, expectations for women in 1960 or 1950 versus, you know, 2008. Like, what's socially acceptable then in terms of, like, being in a relationship and um, how many kids you should have and, and things like that versus, like, now it's, I mean, I think women's issues are more like... I'm not saying that, the you know... I... That the things you wrote about, do they, are they, you know, do, do they match up perfectly? Like, mm. that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, you know, obviously to to get to now, you know, obviously there was a path to get here. Right. Right? And so, like, when you wrote it, you know, whether you were thinking about those things or not thinking about mm. those things, like, obviously on some level you were. Yeah. But, you know, do you go back now and you read it and do you think... Like, okay, th- does it, you know, do these things still resonate? I, like yeah. the relationships that women have with each other, you know, the relationships that mothers had with daughters, you know, as they, you know, as they grew older mm-hmm. and, you know, mothers and daughters and, and granddaughters and grandparents, you know, those, those things that happened, obviously these, this is a generational story. Right. You know, and, and it's like, you know, I, I, I guess that's my question. Not not necessarily do those things line up exactly with what's going on right mm. now, but do those themes still matter now? I think they do because I think they're universal. I think that... I think that there they are themes that, regardless of what's happening, regardless of what is happening politically in, you know, wherever, I think... You know, the relationships that women have with each other, be it positive or destructive, um, that is something that's always an issue, no matter what's going on. And I, th- and I think when I was, when I initially wrote it, it really was like, I wrote it in a way, cause I just, I wanted to like honor the, the, the strong relationships that I had with, cause like, I'm not like a a guy's girl. Like I, you're the only like male like person that I really like have like a friendly relationship with. Like I don't go out of my way to make friends with, with men, not because I don't think men are great. They just, it's just not, I don't relate to men the way I relate to, to women. And that's always been the case. And I think I always, I just kind of wanted to, when I wrote it, I really wanted to honor women like we're fucking awesome like that we we are great we've been great and look at like how women have been great all these years like look at all the shit that we've had to overcome and like how how progress makes it can you know makes us stronger and like 
that's what when I was writing it that was my focus and I guess in that way yeah maybe it's maybe it's more um relevant now than it was then because I think you know I mean the fact that there's barely any male characters in the book I mean there's I mean there's not the there's not a huge male presence in this in this book because that's not what the focus was for me the relate the focus was about the women and that um I think that um, when I wrote it, it, I wasn't thinking, I just, I just love, I think women are great. And I just always kind of, I, I think having female protagonists was important to me because I like reading about women. Like I'm sure I, you know, some of my favorite books have male leads in them, but I, I much prefer a book where the, the protagonist is a woman. And I was very much hell bent on writing a book that I wanted to read. So I guess in that way, I mean, we are seeing much more like representation in, in both, you know, book, in both literature and film and TV. And so maybe, maybe I was just ahead of the game. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. That was kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. Was, was you know, were, were those things you were, that you wrote then, you know, were you. Am I a prophet? I don't know. Maybe. I, let's not go that far. <laughs> But, like, you get what I'm saying. No, I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think I'm a prophet? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I mean, I love you to death, but... <laughs> no. So you take this year off, you revisit, you do a little a little bit of revision, right? Yeah, I, I have to say I did some. I didn't, get, I didn't get dirty with it like I'm doing right now. Okay, so after we've sat on this thing for, whatever, almost a decade, mm-hmm. how different is it right now or maybe not right now but like how different was it when you started sending it out from when you finished it when to get your thesis or to get your master's i mean it's pretty similar it's it was i didn't make major revisions like like i said i added some some scenes i added some i tightened up the prose i fixed those semicolons that needed to be changed <laughs> um and then I sent it out. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I didn't make huge. I, I for me, like sending it out was like, Justin's right. It's not terrible. Send it out. Um, and I, again, I, for me, it was like, is this a good use of time? Is it a good use of time to dig get back into this thing after ten years? I wasn't con- honestly was not convinced that it was a good use of time. Um, <laughs> there are days when I'm still not convinced that it's a good use of time when I'm really struggling. But yeah, I mean, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I mean, time is money and I'm, I, I feel like I need to be producing new stuff and spending the year of right revising something I had written long ago. I didn't, I was not sure that that was a good use of time. So I kind of did a quick job with it of like, I'm gonna polish it up. I'm gonna send it out and see what happens. So obviously we'll get into the submission process in a future episode, but yeah. If somebody was in a similar situation mm. that had something like this that they'd written that maybe they've been sitting on for a while, what is your wisdom advice after you've now that you've you know been through this a little bit or kind of like in the process of mm. all of this? What would what would you if someone came to you and said, "So I have this piece of writing that I wrote five years ago, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, and I'm not sure if I should go back to it or not." What is your advice? So the lovely Jenny Hubbard of 
and we stay in Paper Covers Rock, told me, she's my YA writer friend, um, she told me, she said, don't send out your manuscript unless you are 1,000% sure that if it got published the next day, you'd be okay with it. And I took her advice to heart because she did something similar with Paper Covers Rock. She'd written it. And she I don't know if she sat out. I don't know how long she like sat on it, but it took a long time from when she first wrote it for it to go to the book, to go to the bookstores. Um, and she said, just make sure that when you send it out, that if it gets published tomorrow, as is, you're cool with it. And that, that, that was part of the reason why I think I waited a little bit. I mean, granted, I met her in 2013. So, you know, that was kind of towards the middle of the whole, the whole like waiting on to send it out or whatever. But I took that advice to heart. And I think that that is very good uh, wisdom is make sure you're sent. Wait, if you're not sure that um, if you're not confident in your product, you need to make sure you're confident in it. And, um, you need to know that like, uh, you're, when you send it out, chances, like, you don't know how much back and forth you're going to be. Like I, like I said, right. I don't know when I'm, I think maybe the reason why I'm so stressed out about this revision right now is because of what Jenny told me, right. Is like, when you send you them that manuscript, you better be like cool with how it is because I don't know how much, how much more like of that. They could look at it and be like, this is great. We're going to publish it like this. Right. Like, I don't know how much of that nitty gritty, like, am I going to have more time to develop characters? Am I going to have more time to, to polish up dialogue? Like, I don't know. Am I going to have time to add more letters? Like or whatever it is. So it needs to be what as close as possible to what you want it to be when you send it out. Um, and that would be my advice. But I also think like if you've been sitting on it for that long, take, take a month or two and just dig into it. Like see what happens after, you know, you've waited five years, you're objective now. You've spent enough time away from it. You know, like, you know, it's like a, if you have a friendship or like a, a boyfriend, you date them for a while and then you don't see them for a long time you can go back and, and, you know, go to lunch with them or whatever. And you know, yeah, these feelings gone, right? I can be objective about this person. The book, the manuscript that you're sitting on, same thing. You've been apart for a while. You know if it's ready or not. You just know, I think. And if you've been waiting that long, tighten it up as best you can and then let it, let it go. Let it be free. <laughs> Send it out into the universe. See what happens. Worst case scenario, you get a rejection. And you will get a rejection. You'll get several of them. Sometimes, I think, what was was my record? Like five or ten in a day? It was something crazy. Some within like ten minutes of sending. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been fun, the rejection game. But, I mean, it's going to happen. So, if you're not ready to hear no, then you're not ready to send it out. And if you're not ready to hear no, are you really ready to be a writer or an artist? I mean, I think that's also, that's like your thing. You need to figure that out. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, yeah, that's the that's the story of why it sat. Um, yeah, and then it after that revisiting and exploring themes again, and it sent out. I sent it out. I 
listen to my husband. I'm a very handsome, smart husband. Again, no one cares about any of those things. They, they maybe they do. How do you they know? They don't. Trust me, they don't. They, they do. They, you're cute. They, they need to know this. Anyway, I listened to my wise husband, and then I sent it out, and that's probably what we'll talk about next week. Okay. So yeah, there you have it. The story of the binders. So many binders. Anyways, all right. Well, um, thank you for coming and joining us for round three. Um, I would love to know uh, if you guys want to know what more you want to know about and um, what like elements of the of this process that you're interested in. Um, if you could, you can tweet at us or um, email us. But let me start with where you can find the show. You can find the show on. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave me a review um, and then tell a friend. Um, you can keep up with the show at GloriaPanzera.com slash podcast. While you're there, please sign up for my email list. I will not spam you, I promise. And actually, this week's email has like a... We're going to add some stuff. We're going to add some... I'm not even going to tell you guys what it is. You're just going to have to sign up. Just going to be some fun tidbits, some nuggets. fun in little nuggets. Um, you can email the show at podcast at gloriapanzera.com. Like, email, like, if you have an idea for something you want to know more about, shoot us an email. That's what they're for. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Gloria Panzera. That's G-L-O-R-I-A-P-A-N-Z-E-R-A. Tweet at me. I'm probably, I need to, I love tweeting. It's so much fun. So let's, let's do that. You can see the birthday cake that I made our son on Instagram, if that's something you're interested in. Speaking of food. Speaking of food. I love food so much. My Instagram's a lot of food. <laughs> so anyway, uh, thanks for listening and see you next time on This Novel is Happening. <laughs>